You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. How, how's everybody doing? Doing okay? All right. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and uh, I would like for you to uh, please stand to your feet as we read God's Word. Ephesians 5. So we have it here on the screen, but we also would like to encourage you to read it along on your own Bibles. You'll develop that habit of reading God's Word. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump to verse 8. We're going to read up to verse 10, okay? So Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Your love is amazing. Your love is unchanging. Your love is unconditional. Lord, we thank you, God, that, Lord, you do not uh, shun away those who come to you. And that you accept anyone just as they are, Lord. But the good thing is, as you accept them for who they are, Lord, you transform them into whom you've called them to be. And so, Lord, today we pray that we would all come to you. They would come before you just as we are in humility, knowing that you will be the one to transform us into your likeness and into your image so that we may live our lives, bring honor and glory to you, and that we may also enjoy your love as we live in this earth, and on to eternity. We thank you, and we commit this time to you. We pray that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may all have your seats. I have entitled my message this morning, um, I just want to keep it simple, just living as children of light. I took that from the, the verse that we read. And basically, what I want to do is, I want to end the sermon not now, but later on. <laughs> That's a quick sermon. <laughs> We're going to end the sermon with this same passage. Okay, so um, as I was preparing, we're supposed to start a brand new sermon series this morning uh, entitled Why Me? And we've already announced it. But over the weekend, I felt like the Lord was, the Lord just placed the burden in my heart about something that I believe all of us are aware of. So as I was preparing for the message, you know, that burden kept getting um, heavier and heavier. And I felt like, I felt like uh, as a minister of God and a minister of His Word, I felt like God was leading me to speak into this issue. And normally we don't do this. We trust in His Word and His Word will speak to us. But there are moments that God calls us to rise up and, and speak His Word in relation to what's happening in, in, in our time. Today I'm going to speak as, a, uh, as an under-shepherd of this church. This is going to be a unique sermon. Basically, I just want to talk to everyone, okay? And um, we all are aware of what has happened the last few weeks, the last few days, that the Supreme Court basically issued a ruling, a split decision ruling, that basically enabled same-sex marriage to be a constitutional right. Now, before I get into the word, before I get into the sermon, I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to preface this sermon with, with these thoughts. Number one, God is a loving God, and He loves everyone regardless of race, regardless of creed, regardless of beliefs, regardless of, of preferences, regardless of sin, regardless of whatever. He accepts them just as they are. How many of you are glad God accepted you just as you are? But the good thing is, He doesn't keep you just as you are. He makes you to be the person He's called you to be and He's made you to be. And a lot of people live their lives 
missing out on what they were ordained to be. All because of deceptive philosophies, deceptive thoughts out there that have taken people captive. But God wants people to be set free so that they can be who they're called to be and they can enjoy a, a relationship with him. And they could be the people God has called them to be. Okay, God is a loving God. And it's out of that love that we as his church are to follow suit. Did you hear that? It is in that love. We've received that love. We are to give that love as a church. And that's what I want to speak to this morning. So I want to preface that. And, okay, so God loves everyone. And he does not reject anyone who comes to him. And he offers his grace, his mercy, and salvation to everyone. He actually died for everybody, but it's only those who come to him who receive the fullness of his salvation. He doesn't want people to perish. He wants people to come to him. Okay? So having said that, we are faced with something that has essentially changed the landscape of America. And this is nothing new. This is something that many nations have already embraced. Okay? As a matter of fact, the United States is the 21st nation in the world that has embraced same-sex marriage on a nationwide scale. Okay? Now, again, let me say this before I progress. We have different reactions to this. And how many of you didn't just ignore this thing when you heard about it? You know, so you were thinking about it. You were... Okay, what's, some, of you, some people, their reactions were, some people were elated because basically their desires and their agenda was upheld and people celebrate the decision. But there are those who dissented, and I'm not going to go there uh, with those in the Supreme Court, the justices who dissented. That's, that's not what I'm here for. Okay, they have their reasons. But people have their reasons for their reactions. And those reasons are many times based on filters, cultural biases, religious or ecclesiastical biases, okay? And many times we see life through those filters, okay? How many of you have shades that you wear outside? Anybody wearing shades now? Okay, good. But you wear shades, right? And when you wear shades, it kind of eases up your, your eyes intake of light, okay? So basically, you're able to see, but... What you see is not actually the real color that is really there. Does that make sense? Okay, so, and many times those filters that we have filter the truth that is supposed to be processed. And this thing has basically caused people to celebrate or react. It sent shock waves all throughout the known world, particularly here. And so, if you're longing for an America that no longer exists, you're going to be frustrated. So some people are frustrated. Some people are panicking. Some people are in fear. Some people are in shock. They don't know what to think of. And some people are thinking, this is now the, the, the law of the land. So they're thinking of shifting towards believing what was presented. Okay, so a lot of people are there in the middle. And a lot are going towards this trend. And... Um, it changed the societal, political, and cultural landscape of this country. So, how do we respond moving forward? What do we do as a church? And I want to share to you a few realities here. We live in a world that is ever-changing. We live in a world that there's really nothing that constant that much. Okay? We live in a world, actually there's a... Let me say this. this is an article by Albert Moeller, one of the leaders of the Southern Baptist denomination. And he entitled this article, Everything Has Changed and Nothing Has Changed. It's a profound thing, but that really caught me. and said, everything has changed and nothing has changed. Okay, and then he expounded on that. But I want to highlight on what he said there on his title. Everything has changed and nothing has changed. Okay. Say it with me. Everything has changed, and nothing has changed. Okay, you see where this is going. Okay, so, but I want to show you a few realities, 
And to present this, I want to, it's been a burden in my heart the last few days to speak this. And I've been in prayer saying, God, help me to speak this in a way that honors you, in a way that is gracious and merciful and kind, okay, because that's who you are, okay? And, um, and in order to do that, we have to go through a progression. So I'm going to make some statements, and we're not going to be here to speak on my opinion because, you know, my opinion is different. How many people do we have in a room? Let's say an average of 130. There are 130 opinions here, right? And out there, there are many more opinions out there. But we cannot base our lives on men's opinions. We need to base it on an authoritative standard, which has stood the test of time, okay, which is the Word of God. But I want, that's what I want to present here today, okay? So I want to share to you a few realities before I go to my objectives for this message. First, we live in a world where morality is declining. It's becoming more a world of preference, personal preference, and people all over the world are tending to leave values behind, values that have been taught by their, by their parents, and they're leaving those values for their own preferences. We live in a world where opinions of men are given more credence over God's established and eternal truth. Even truths that have been proved, that, that have been established, institutions that have been established for millennia. People today think that they can just change it. And we are living in a world where established things that God has created, designed, defined, and established are being redefined by men. Folks, we are living in a world that is already going farther away from God. That's a sad reality, and that is the world we live in, okay? So the question now is, how do we respond as followers of Christ? How do we respond to this world? Now, I don't know about you. A lot of people think that, you know, if you become a Christian, if you become a follower of Christ, there is some weird notion that when you become a Christian, you will have no more troubles. Your life will be problem-free. How many of you have heard that? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you believe that? <laughs> that this will be a trouble-free life. That there won't be any challenges. Everything will be smooth sailing. Blessing, 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 blessing. Okay, and God's going to bless you. He's going to prosper you. He's going to fulfill your wish list. And that's the kind of gospel we, most people, are adhering to or believing because that's the kind of gospel that's being proclaimed in the airwaves. But the real gospel, we need to have the real gospel here. That's why let me encourage you, get your Bibles and read your Bibles. Don't just listen to a podcast preacher and superstar. Get it straight from God. Okay? Let this word speak to you. Okay? Let me say this as we progress here. If ever there are any members of the LGBT community here today, I mean, we rarely talk about these things. We normally just focus on the word. But because this has been put in the forefront today, people are thinking about it. People are asking questions about it. People are wondering what to do. So let's talk about it. Okay? And if there are members of the LGBT community here today, I want to tell you this. God loves you, and we welcome you here. You will not be rejected here. We will accept you, and God will accept you. And we love you and care for you enough to let you know that God has a plan for your life. That he died for you so that he could give you his best for your life. He knows what's best. His preference is always better than ours. Okay, and I'm here to tell you today, Please hear us out. I want to speak to the members of this church who, are, who have professed faith in Christ. But if you're here this morning and you're a member of that community, you know, I would like to request that you would listen to what I have to say. I'm not going to present my opinions. I'm going to present 
to the best of my ability and the Spirit's leading what the Word of God has to say. And I preface this message that God loves you. Okay? So, we want to lovingly speak the truth. And I don't want to give this issue more emphasis than it deserves, but because it was placed in the forefront over the last few days. We need to talk about it. It has to be addressed. And, and um, my objectives for this talk, you may call this a talk, is we're going to look at the underlying issue and see what God's word has to say about it. And then we're going to look at how we are to appropriately respond as followers of Christ. And I want to offer hope to those who are struggling with these issues. And I want to offer hope to those who are living this lifestyle. Okay? So, as we progress, basically, as I, as I talk, I'm going to mention key statements, and they're linked to each other. So, basically, they're not just independent. They, there's a progression to what I'm going to present this morning. Okay? So, first statement I want to make, having said that God is a God of love, and He loves everyone regardless and even if you've, been, you've messed your life up, even if you're a mess, many, of you, many people think you don't deserve to be before God. God loves you anyway, and he died for you. Jesus died for you. Okay? Having said that, now here are some key statements I want us to understand. And I want us, my goal is basically for us to have a biblical perspective and a prophetic understanding of the times. You know, the sons of Issachar, the Bible said, understood the times and knew what to do. Okay? So, first statement I want to make. The Bible is the final authority in our life, faith, and conduct, not man's opinions. I'm speaking to the members of this community, this Christian community. Okay? We believe the Bible is the final authority. It's not opinion. It is truth. It has stood the test of time. Like I said a while ago, we cannot base our lives on shifting things. We need to have a, an authoritative fixed standard to base our lives upon, right? How many of you went through school? How many of you had good grades? How many of you had less than desirable good grades? <laughs> but how did you get those grades? Did you just pull them out of the air? It was based on a standard, and that standard will, let you, will tell you if you're off course or not. A fixed standard, a fixed point, that's what, that's what lighthouses are for. They're there to guide ships at night, but at the same time, that's, that's a reference point so that ships will know where they are. Pastor friend of mine back in Manila, who was a colonel in the military in the Philippines. Um, his name is Dennis Isleta. He's a pastor of our, one of our Victory Churches there. When we were, we had an, um, a staff outing when I was still there, um, when I was on staff at the Victory Four, one of the pastors there. We were on the beach at night with our families, and there wasn't that much ambient light. So we were pretty much there out in the wilderness. And so there wasn't that much ambient light, so we could see the stars. And he told us that they were trained that even if they lose all their equipment and they're put in the middle of a jungle, they would know where they are. They would know their bearings just by looking at the stars. Not that the stars are guiding them in their destiny. I'm talking about the fixed positions of the stars. They know where they are. They know where north is. They know. It's those fixed standards that will enable you to navigate through life, okay? And know your bearing and know if you're lost or not. Many people don't look at the fixed standards in, in life, and that's why they're lost, and they don't even know they're lost, okay? So, but here, the Bible is the final authority, okay? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. His word stands firm forever. Mankind may declare war against the word of God, but that generation will pass away. God's word will still remain true. Come on now. Secondly, 
the Bible reveals that marriage is intended by God to be permanently between one man and one woman. The Bible is explicit about this. And it's interesting, even before any man has redefined marriage, before civilization, before institutions, marriage has already been with, with man from the very beginning. It's, been, it's a sacred institution, instituted by God himself. It was his idea. He defined it. He set the parameters for it. And it is through those parameters and purpose that he fulfills his purpose on the earth through us. And one of the primary purposes of marriage is procreation. That's why there's male and female when they come together. The miracle of procreation takes place. And that's how we populate the earth. That's how God designed it. That's how God defined it. That's how he intended it to be. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and, be in, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's interesting that in Revelation, the picture of Jesus our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, is going to have a wedding with his bride, and this bride is the church. It's a picture of marriage, and the bride, the church, is spoken of in the female gender. Not that we're all females, but see, figuratively. So even our union with Christ is pictured in a marriage context where commitment is supposed to be permanent, loyalty is there, fidelity is there, all the order of God in, in marriage. Okay? That's how God has defined it. Now, since this is how God defined it, but people have redefined marriage. So last week we saw that marriage has been redefined okay, by man. But here's the statement I want to make. Same-sex marriage was not God's idea. That wasn't his intent. You may have dissenting ideas about this statement. It's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But what I'm presenting to you is not just my opinion. It is truth. Same-sex marriage was not God's idea. It was actually a byproduct of a lifestyle called homosexuality. Okay? Now, a lot of people struggle with this. Can a Christian struggle with homosexuality? A lot of people, and because of the stigma of society in the past, they don't want to come out. But, you know, to put this in perspective, I want to make another statement here. Again, these statements are going towards a point that is redemptive. So bear with me, okay? Because I want to set the truth first. We want to speak the truth in love. So same-sex marriage was not God's idea. It was a byproduct of the homosexual lifestyle. And here's what the Bible says about homosexuality. Pastors are often asked, is homosexuality a sin? What do you think, they ask the pastor. If I was asked, and I've been asked uh, several times, I say, it doesn't matter about what I think. What matters is what God says about it. That's what I believe. And here's what he says. Here's what his word says. Scripture classifies homosexuality as a sin. It is a sinful lifestyle. Hard to swallow. Especially in today's culture where it is embraced. But truth transcends generation. Truth will never change Truth will never bend to the whims of a culture. Truth will stand on its own. Cultures will shift. That's why I said there are constant shifts in culture. What's acceptable today may not be acceptable tomorrow. Standards in culture change. That's why you can't base your life on that. Some people, how many of you, how many of you believe before in, in your zodiac sign? In horoscope. Oh, oh horoscope. You actually believe that the alignment of the stars and what these interpreters of these astrologers say is what's going to happen in your life. And so you base your life out of that. And now, only recently, they discovered there were 12 zodiac signs, right? And only recently, they discovered there's a 13th one. And now they had to adjust everything. Now, the, the guy who's Sagittarius is now, all of a sudden, not a Sagittarius. And, and all his life, he's based his life. 
his life on being a Sagittarius, and now I'm no longer one? Oh, no. So I'm what? I don't even know what comes before Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. Oh, no. I hated Capricorns before. No, I'm one. Oh, no. Misery. You see, you cannot base your life on things that are not fixed, things that are not standard, things that are not eternal, things that are not true. You cannot base your life on things that are preferences or shifting philosophies. And homosexuality is classified in scripture as sinful. And this is the deeper issue. Same-sex marriage only reflects the deeper issue of homosexuality. And the Bible calls it a sinful lifestyle. Now, I say that truth with love. A few scriptures, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are, you know, examples of verses in Scripture that are that explicitly speak of homosexuality as, as sinful. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually moral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. See, the problem is today people only see this, when they look at this verse, they only see that they only see this. The homosexuality is just a part of a great, a big list. Of sins. How many people have committed adultery? How many people are sexually immoral? I mean, today we live in a society where, I want to speak the truth now, we've allowed concessions in things that are beyond the definition of God for marriage and relationships. Friends with benefits. Cohabitation. And a lot of those things have problems. You will find problems because those are beyond the definition of God for marriage and for relationships. But, Pastor, we love each other. I know. Loving each other doesn't, doesn't give you the right to do something that is beyond what is prescribed. Adulterers, idolaters. Okay? Next, verse 10. Nor thieves, nor the greedy. How many of you are greedy? All you can think about is money. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. Will, these won't inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Paul was saying, and such were some of you. You were like these before. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. See, there's the hope there. There is that hope that God presents. But the world doesn't want you to see it. The world wants you to see that God is passé. He's no longer relevant. You make your own, you be your own God. You define your life the way you like it. That's a dangerous thing. If you're a, um, a son or a daughter and you're younger, try doing that with your, with your parents. You know what, Dad, Mom, today I declare I'm independent. You can no longer tell me what to do. And I will do whatever I please. Guess what's going to happen? You think your parents will go, okay, son, we don't want to hurt your feelings. Okay, well, okay well, do you want us to adjust to you? What do you think is going to happen? In a very loving but firm way, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, you're going to realize the folly of that thinking. And today people do that with God. Such were some of you. First Timothy, another, another passage, another verse. First Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, not me for the righteous, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. Okay? How many of you speak profanity? That's in this list. Okay? For those who strike their fathers and mothers. Striking your father and mother is the, 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 the last, basically the final outcome of a disrespect in the heart. Okay? For murderers, it's for the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality. See, do we need to decode this? It's plain to see what the Bible says, right? Enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, it's interesting. Today, people react when we talk about homosexuality. But when you talk about anger, when you talk about lust and greed and all these other things, people say those are sin. Those are sinful things. Yeah, yeah, those are bad. But today, for some reason, there are blinders in people that they, 
And it's there, clearly, it's one of the, it's part of the list of sins, but people embrace it as an alternative lifestyle. They don't see it as sinful. They see it as part of their nature. That's what sin does. And see, the bottom line here is with same-sex marriage, we're not talking about that. It's a, that's just, those are just the leaves, okay? The branch is basically homosexuality. And the root of that is sinfulness, selfishness, okay? So sin is the issue. Let me say this. Um, homosexuality is both the same as the other sins, but it's also different. Because the same because it's classified the same way, but it's different because it's embraced. And now you're saying this, this feels heavy, but here's where I want to lead it. Knowing all that, th- these are the truth, hard facts the Bible presents. Here's a, the next statement I want to present to you. Forgiveness and grace, mercy, victory are available to all. Through Jesus Christ. Men were going on their own way, perishing because of their sin, and God, because of his love for us, sent his one and only son. He didn't have to, but he did because of his great love. We didn't deserve for the Son of God to be sent to us to save us. He didn't have to die on the cross for us, but he did. It's because of his love for you and I. And you see, it doesn't matter. See, today we're highlighting homosexuality, but you know, what about the adulterers? What about the fornicators? What about the greedy? What about those who are lustful? What about those who are prideful? The arrogant? The haughty? Those who think they're better than people, than others? Let me say this. Without Christ, we are enslaved by our sin, and that is the root cause. But with Christ, we are set free from our sin. Now, Let me say a few things here. A practicing homosexual, meaning homosexuality is his or her lifestyle, can find mercy, grace, can find the love of God, can find the compassion of God. They can find the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of God. They can find it. Many people don't know, but that's the message we have as a church. We are It's our call to proclaim his love. We just finished our series on Jonah. Let's not be like Jonah. Ed Stetzer said this, we we can't hate people and reach them at the same time. If we hate people, that means we need the gospel. And our response is not that of hate. Our response is not that of putting them aside or discarding them. No, Jesus died for them. Jesus died for everyone, just like he died for you and I. What about this one? A believer may struggle with homosexual desires and temptation, but he can find mercy and grace and victory through constant surrender. We sang that line a while ago, surrender to your will. That's how you, you may be a Christian already, but you still struggle with homosexual. It's okay. Struggling with it is different from embracing the lifestyle of sin. Struggling with sin is a normal thing because we have an enemy, as Angela mentioned, tempting us. But as here's what we do. Instead of fighting the enemy, we go to God in genuine faith and repentance. And we say, God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with these desires. Please cleanse me. Please, please forgive me. I repent and I turn to you. Lord, because I trust only you can take, can give me victory in these, over these things. Lord, don't let me give in. Lord, I trust in you. I trust in your grace. I cry out for your grace. Lord, I, I ask you to cleanse me. Remove these things from me. And Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm going to do whatever I can, Lord, to stay away as, as far as I can from anything that can tempt me. Back to that lifestyle. Lord, I don't want it. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. When you do that on a daily basis, you will walk in victory. God's grace is available to those who are genuinely repentant and have genuine faith in Christ. Titus 2 says this, For the grace of God has appeared. And this grace, the reference here is the whole life of Christ. Christ himself gives us grace. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. See, it's the grace of God. 
and will enable you to walk in victory and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. See, God wants to restore you and his compassion so overflowing for you that his grace is available. His grace changes everything. You see, man may make decisions that can change the landscape of a country, but let me say this. Was that Supreme Court ruling, did that make God fall off of his throne? God is sovereign. The Bible says God sets up kings and he deposes them. He set, establishes nations and he uproots them. He is sovereign over the nations. People think they can redefine God, but mankind, man is but a breath compared to God. Take a deep breath. Exhale. Your life is just like that compared to God. You're just a breath. That's it, and you're done. You're gone compared to this eternal being. Can what you say really matter? <laughs> Can you really dethrone him? No, we can't. So while many of us panic and what, what everything is happening, you know what? God is there securely on his throne, and his plan will prevail. Many other plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. That's why he is God. And we are there to be his ambassadors. In Christ alone is our hope. So, how do we need to respond? We said everything has changed. Yes, everything has changed. Yet, nothing has changed. Okay? Nothing has changed. And John 3.16 says, Therefore, God so loved the world. He gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. As a matter of fact, it doesn't surprise God that the United States has made this decision today at this time because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, when I come back, when I return, it will be like the days of, of Noah where people were reveling in their own thing. They were drinking, eating. They're, they're filling their appetites and they were, you know, they were filled with wickedness. The increase of wickedness is, will be there. That's the time I will return. So don't think of a, of a world that's everything's going to be nice and peaceful and blessing. Jesus will come back for an earth that's filled with people who are revolting against him. But also filled with people who are standing for him. The polarity will be seen more and more as we approach the day of his coming. So don't be surprised, Jesus. Don't be surprised when these things happen. These things must come. Okay? So let me say this. With this ruling, the sky has not fallen, folks. God is enthroned. He is sovereign. And his will shall prevail. Even in our changing world, God never changes. He remains the same and is still sovereign over all creation. His message remains the same regardless of the changes men seek to introduce to the world. America may have legally changed the definition of marriage, but the eternal and biblical definition remains the same. And as believers in Christ, we are citizens of a higher kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We uphold his law. And here's the thing, nothing has changed. So see, as far as God's concerned, Nothing's changed. And as far as we're concerned, nothing has changed as far as our mission is concerned. We are still called to do the same thing, to honor God, to make disciples, to preach the gospel. We are to respond to our ever-changing world by continuing to be on mission. And how can we be on mission as I wrap up this, this message now? How can we respond? First, we pray. How do we respond here? We don't respond in, please, pray, don't panic. Pray, okay? We respond in prayer by looking to heaven, looking to God, who is in control over all things. 
Pray for your heart and your attitude regarding this issue. And pray that your heart will be cleansed so that you will be able to pray righteously. And that you'll be able to be used by God as an instrument to bring about change and to bring about His purpose through your prayers. But pray that you would have His heart in this matter. Pray that you would have His compassion. Pray that you would have His Holy Spirit purify you. Pray that you would have His perspective on the matter. Does that make sense? Simple enough? Pray for God's will to be done on earth. And here's another thing. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 4 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Not just on behalf of some, on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority. Now remember, Paul wrote this to Timothy, and they were alive during the time of the Roman Empire where the Roman emperors were persecuting the church. You see, what we have here in the United States, this is nothing compared to what the first century church went through under those Roman emperors. And yet they continued on. And this is our attitude. Pray. Pray for our nation. Pray for the next generation. Pray for your children. This is going to be the world, that, the world they live in now. And it's only going to get worse. I'm not a doomsday, you know. But that's how it's going to be. So pray for them. Prepare, for them. prepare them that they will stand. Pray for the church to be the church God has called it to be. Pray for this church that we will reflect Jesus Christ and his love in the midst of the changes happening in this nation. Pray that we would be his light. Secondly, after we pray, let's love our neighbor. Not hate them. Not loathe them. Love them. Doesn't matter what they are. See, God loves everybody regardless of creed, race, belief. We are to do the same. If we are to reflect him, we are to love everyone. Love our neighbor. The greatest commandments, Jesus said, it's this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the entire scriptures. And here Jesus gave us a new command. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you. How did he love us? Unconditionally. Sacrificially. He gave his life for us. You are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Francis Schaeffer said this. Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. Have you seen people who are so theologically correct they're so proud and arrogant about it there's no bit of love in them that's not how God is if you're like that you misrepresent God Ed Stetzer said this we cannot reach people and hate them at the same time loving people who disagree with scripture on this issue does not mean we have to agree with them but it does mean we have to actually love them Loving your neighbor doesn't mean you agree with everything. Now, here's the thing. Here's what is being presented to us, to the church. Either you support us or you hate us. If you hate us, then you're, you don't support us. You're a bigot. But if you don't hate us, then support us in everything we're doing. Agree with everything we're doing. You see, the Christian will take neither path. Here is what the Christian, true follower of Christ, will say. You are wrong, yet you're loved. You're wrong, but I love you just the same. You don't have to agree, but you can love them. Jesus didn't agree with us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us that way. Love people sincerely without passing judgment. That's the call of God to the church in this hour. Reach out to them. Show them the love of Christ, and that's the last thing. And as you show the love of Christ, preach the gospel. You don't preach the gospel, you know, just by words. Preach it with your life. Let your life be the epistle. Live and preach the gospel. Share his love. Let him know that we are not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. 
And we have to tell people about his love. So I conclude, we've, how many of you are on social media? How many of you have actually changed your profile picture with different colors of the rainbow? You know that's a statement you're making? If you're a believer in Christ, that's a statement you're making. And that, your heart may be clear, but that may not be received well by people. That's my point while, you know, a while ago. People receive things differently. And here, in social media, here's what we see. This hashtag, love wins. Right? Have you seen it? Love wins. This is to celebrate the victory they received. Now, this speaks volumes to me because this is indicative of what they really long for. And the love that they've only known is the sinful kind of love they don't know that there's something greater than that, than that sinful and selfish love. That love, that love caused the Son of God to give His life for us. To save us because there's no way for us to be saved. Our sins have doomed us. But His love made a way for us. To be saved, to be reconciled. This is what they are longing for. And let me tell you this. They can only find this in Jesus Christ. Real love. Not perverted love. Not the selfish kind of love. Not the preferential love. Not the love they've defined. It's the love Jesus defined. True love. And guess who are recipients of this love? We are. And God's calling us to love those He has died for. Not agree with them, but love them. Serve them. Show them the love of Christ. The unconditional love of Jesus. Because the heart of God is for them not to perish. We know the scripture. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So, those, so that those who believe in Him shall not perish. This is his heart. They, he doesn't want them to perish. He doesn't want any people per to perish. He doesn't want any sinner to perish. He wants them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and come to experience his transforming love and power. So let me conclude this message with this. In a world steeped in sin, only the love of Christ truly wins. Not the humanistic love. Not the gay kind of love. Not the selfish kind of love. Not whatever man defined kind of love. Only the love that God defined. Because God, the Bible says, is love. And He wants you to experience that love today. So that you can offer that love to those who need it the most. They're crying out for it. They don't know it, but they're crying out for it. Our focus must not be fear or panic. Our focus must be the mission of Christ. That's His heart. He showed His love to the world, and He saved us, showed His love to us, and He's calling us now. Go do the same. Go and do likewise. Let's all stand right now. As we end, let me go back to that, those verses we read as we began the sermon. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Do you realize that the fragrant aroma of Christ, you carry it with you when you show unconditional love the people of the world. You reveal Jesus to them. Amen? Let's respond. Let's be imitators of God. Walk in love. Let's live in the light. And let's be the light Jesus called us to be to this world that they may see Him and know Him and come to Him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Lord, we thank You that You are an amazing God. You're a God of love and 
Lord, just like in Jonah, Lord, you were compassionate for the Ninevites because they did not know their left from their right. They did not know what was right and what was wrong. They did not know. Lord, and when you died on that, when you were about to die on that cross, Jesus, you said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And you showed compassion. Lord, help us as your body, as your church, as your people who, who, are, who are, we've received your love and compassion and mercy and grace. Help us to see them the way you see them, Lord. And help us to be your hands and feet, your instruments of love. That they may come to know your love that transforms their lives and the love that will save them. Lord Jesus, use us. Help us not to be judgmental. Lord, cleanse our hearts. We repent of judgmentalism. We repent of being haughty. We repent of this we're right, they're wrong attitude. As a church, we repent of these things. Lord, you died for everyone. And Lord, cleanse us from our preferences, our prejudices. Cleanse us so that we may properly represent you to them. That they may know you. And that they may know your love through us. Lord, use us to be your instruments. That you may glor be glorified. That you may receive the reward of your suffering. Lord, we call forth. Right now, as we go out, having this understanding, we call for those people who are seeking real love, not the perverted kind of love, real love, your love. Lord, draw us to them. Lord, bring us to them, Lord. Lord, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our schools, Lord, Lord, let us not be ashamed of the gospel and let us not be ashamed in showing your love for them. Lord, we just give you praise today. Send us. We say, Lord, here we are. Send us. Cleanse us and then send us, Lord. We give you praise and glory and help us to be the church you've called us to be. The light of the world as you are our light. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.